What if I told you I had a solid investment tip that has guaranteed high rate of return, offers benefits you can enjoy right away, and would significantly help others without affecting your bottom line? Sound too good to be true? Well, stay with me as we learn about this strategy that God has for you, your life, and your money in these difficult times. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. Chip's our Bible teacher for this international discipleship ministry focused on helping Christians live like Christians. This past week, we kicked off Chip's series, The Genius of Generosity. We've been learning how to be authentically generous, not just with our finances, but also how we spend our time, use our gifts, and build relationships with others. Today, we're going to highlight the second half of his message, Why It's Genius to Be Generous. Okay, as we join Chip for the remainder of his talk, he begins with a really thought-provoking statement. Every one of us worships something or someone. Okay? I mean, you might write that in your notes. Every one of us worships something or someone. Where your money goes tells you who or what you worship. In other words, it's, it's, it, Jesus is just real clear, and every one of us has something or someone that we think, that deserves my energy, that deserves my time, that deserves my money, and what I'm expecting is that is going to produce security and significance and happiness. Everyone on the face of the earth worships something, and some people worship success, and some work, and some golf, and some their kids, and some their mate, and some Jesus. And so Jesus is going to be like a wise investment counselor in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's gonna say, don't invest over here because it won't turn out bad ROI, but I do want you to invest over here, very positive ROI, and by the way, here's why. Uh, look, look at it, there's, there's a, a negative command, and there, there's a positive command, and then he gives the reason, and, and this is sort of investment counseling. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And, and would you underline the word for yourselves? Now, the way that you would accumulate wealth was through fine clothing, precious metals, and grains. And so even that word rust has the idea, not just of metals, but maybe of varmints getting in and eating your grain and ruining it. And so basically, the grammar here is stop investing solely on earth, and the reason is because you can suffer great loss. All those are temporal. On a bad day, a thief comes in, or the rats get into your grain, or someone steals it. Now, by the way, he's not saying it's wrong to save because the scripture tells us elsewhere to save. He's not saying that it's wrong to prepare for the future. You know, the, the writer of Proverbs says you need to make provision and think about what's gonna come. And it's not wrong to have something nice. We're actually commanded in scripture to enjoy the good things God gives us. This is a prohibition against selfish, greedy hoarding that you think that this is now and I'm gonna have it and my life, my success, my power, my happiness is gonna come from investing my time and energy in the right now, in temporal stuff. Then he gives the other advice. He says, but store up. Now, would you underline why? For yourselves. This, this is for your benefit. He's giving wise investment counseling, treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. In other words, it's a better investment because when you make this investment, 100% return. 
And so all through the Gospels, Jesus talks about what's it, so what would it be like to invest treasure in heaven? Treasure in heaven in Luke 16 is you give your money and your time to help other people come to Christ, and when you get to heaven, they they will welcome you because you gave. Uh, When you give a cup of cold water, when you provide relief and love in the name of Jesus, there'll be a reward. that's That's an eternal heavenly treasure. Uh, when, when you use your money to make disciples, when you use your money to help the poor, you're lending to the Lord. All those things. He says, that's, that's, there's a bank account with your name on it with very specific reward in heaven that can't be touched by thieves or rust or moss. So he says, that's great. Then he gives you the reason. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Literally meaning, it says, for where you treasure your treasure, that's where your heart will be. So, so what he's saying is, there's a relationship between what you worship. Don't make a bad investment where it'll be temporal, loss, can change overnight. Some of you know about that, right? Jesus is just saying. He's not saying you're more righteous, more holy, you're better than other people when you invest in the things that last. He's just saying there are smart investors and there's dumb investors, Dumb investors focus all their time, all their energy around worship th- worshiping things and people that change and that will let them down and won't come through and can be stolen and removed from them. And smart investors take a big part of their portfolio and they invest in things that can never change, never be touched, and will last forever. And, and then, then he goes because you, you got to be asking yourself, how does this idea of your heart and, and investments and why is that so important And so notice he's going to give a a metaphor, a picture. Look at verse 32. He says, the eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Put a box around the word good, put a box around the word bad, and circle the word eye. Jesus is an amazing teacher. He talks out there's two treasures. Then he's going to say there's two eyes And later he's going to say there's two masters. And he says there's treasure in heaven, there's treasure in earth. Which investment? Now he's going to say the way that you come about deciding where to invest has to do with your eye. Your eye is the lamp of your body. Your eye is what you look through. It's how you perceive. It's how you decide. It's where your focus is. It's how you get direction about where you're going to go. And there's a very interesting word. This word for your eye is good, the word good, uh, you know how some words in English depends on the context what they mean? Uh, this word is haplos in Greek. It can either mean singularity or loyalty and focus, or it can mean to be liberal or generous, depending on the context. So he says if your eye is good, if your loyalty is toward God, and you're liberal and generous with what he's given you, he says your body will be full of light. In other words, you'll reflect God's light, you'll enjoy God's light, you'll share God's light. He says, but if your eye is bad, another interesting word, uh, we actually, it's the word poneros, literally it means evil. It's used of Satan for being evil. And also there was a Jewish idiom that talked about the evil eye, and the person with the evil eye is a selfish, greedy, hoarding person. He says, if your eye is about you and accumulating and protecting and saving and not letting anybody in and trying to, he says, then even the light you think you have your focus, the idea that you think, if I just have this much, then I'll be successful. And if I'm successful, then I'll be a someone. If I'm a someone, then I'll have security. And if I have security, then people will love me. And da, da, da. He goes, hmm, dumb, dumb, bad investment. 
Because it says there's two treasures you have to discern, two eyes that give your focus. And it says it really boils down to your focus will determine. Notice there's two, there's two masters. He says no one can serve two masters. This isn't like double employment. He says you'll be a slave to one or a slave to the other. He'll either hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon or money too. According to scripture, I bet the first 15 years I was a Christian, I would think there's God and Satan, good and bad. Those are the two big gods. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's two gods. There's God and money. Now, Satan may energize that. But see, if I have money, I think it'll deliver me the success, the significance, the security, the people, the admiration, the fame, whatever it is that I think will really come through. And and, and Jesus says, if you don't get the right master because you have the wrong eye, you'll invest in the wrong spot. And you can look like things are going really, really good. And just in one New York minute, things can get turned upside down. And that person you set your heart on is gone. That money you set your heart on evaporates. That house that was going to be the big deal is underwater. The promotion that was going to make you a someone You started the company and now the board says you're not fit to run it anymore. And they decide they want to get someone else. And if you've ever been around a person who set their heart on some things and the thing crumbles, I will tell you what, it's painful to watch. You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. Chip's message is from his series, The Genius of Generosity. For more information about this series or the ministry of Living on the Edge, please visit livingontheedge.org. That's livingontheedge.org. Well, now here's Chip with the rest of today's talk. And so the final thing he teaches here, he says, generosity frees our heart. See, at the the core of it, what Jesus says, you got to invest. I want to protect you from investments, but the way to protect you from investments is I want to protect your heart because out of your heart flow the issues of life. See, when, my, when I'm consumed by the God of money, I work crazy hours, I consume, I, I use people to get things. And what that produces is very bad dysfunctional relationships. And so like, there's lots of really old people in places whose kids don't care about them and don't talk to them and don't relate to them because they had their focus and their eye and their master on what they could have and succeed and there weren't relationships because their heart got hard. Their heart wasn't for the things that really mattered. I've never had anyone that I've buried say, I'll tell you what, man, my dad, he had the he had the coolest watch, house, and 401k in the world. I mean, it was awesome. In fact, I took it off his wrist when they put it in the casket. That's how good it was. The only thing you ever hear when people die are the relationship that people had with that person and what that person did. The mirror of your heart is your money. I mean, if you just want to know where you're at, you just look at, there's where my money goes. Those are my priorities. Those are my real values. And so what he does is he gives us this investment plan to protect us. So it's genius to be generous because it changes our lives. It's positive. It's a win-win. It's genius because it connects us deeply with other people. It's genius because it helps us invest in what's going to matter most so we're not disappointed and have a bad investment. And it's genius because it frees our heart. So here's the kind of $64 question. If generosity is so smart, why isn't everyone doing it? I mean, I could give you the statistics among Christians. It's not real pretty. Most Christians are not very generous. 
But why? I mean, if what I just taught is true, why wouldn't we be the most generous people in the world? Well, we're going to explore that, but, uh, and I'm not talking just about your money. I mean, if you think this series is going to be about money and you're tempted to check out, let me warn you. Money is like the training wheels of authentic generosity. But let me highlight, this is why I struggle with uh, not being smart. One is because wealth is powerful and deceptive. I mean, I mean, money isn't neutral. According to Jesus, remember he talks about the sower and the seed in Matthew 13 and Mark 4, and the sower of God's word, he casts the seed, and there's four different kinds of soils, and you know, there's the hard soil, and there's shallow soil, and then there's the soil with the thorns, and the thorns that grow up are the deceitfulness of riches and the worries of other things. This is just, this is just reality. When money is deceiving me, I'm the last to know it. Most people that are greedy and hoarding think other people are greedy and hoarding, but not them. I mean, when your eye is bad, notice even Jesus said, even the light that's within you, he uses the same word. We think we're doing okay. See, the problem with it is it's so easy to be deceived and we rationalize and we're in denial and compare ourselves to other people. The second reason is because of the lure of mammon worship. I mean, the drive, I grew up thinking, you gotta be successful, you gotta be significant, you gotta have security, and the way you measure that is what? I mean, I remember talking to a, a number of years, an executive here in the Silicon Valley is well-connected, and he had had a conversation with someone who was, remember when they did, I don't know, they do top 40 or top 50 on Forbes now, but this guy was, they were doing top 50 at that time, and he was 51. And he wrote like a seven-page letter to Forbes demanding that he be put on the list because why he qualified as one of the 50 richest people in the world. <laughs> you think that's about money? I mean, that's like ego over the top. But the problem is I can look at that out there and say, oh, yeah, I can't believe that. I mean, how many, the guy's worth a bazillion dollars and he's got to write eight-page letters to... But see... Mammon worship says if you have enough money, then you can buy that and be that and show that. And this kind of car says that and this kind of watch. And, you know, now you got a place in the mountains, you got a place on the beach, and, you know, you got the Maserati, the Ferrari, the Bentley, whatever. Or you're low key about it and you have lots, and just, a, just at the right time, you let people know what you have. And you know what? It's all, it's all relative. Because you may not have any of that all kind of stuff, but man, you got a pair of jeans. You probably didn't understand these are diesels, baby. They meant wranglers, man. And, I mean, we all do it. We all do it. Mammon worship, impressing, success, significance, what I look like, what I've got, what zip code I'm in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it sucks, guess what? And it just demands your life. Whatever you worship, it demands your life. You gotta work and you got up early and there's pressure. The third reason it's generosity is, is difficult is it demands faith. I mean, if we actually believed in heaven, I mean, if I told you, if I told you, hey, I got this amazing investment, 90% of it fails, you really need to invest with me, you're gonna go, what? That's what Jesus is saying, look, treasures on earth, 90% of it's gonna fail. Treasures in heaven, 100%, great ROI, where do you wanna invest? See, if you believed in heaven, and I believed in heaven, and I believed in eternal rewards, I'd be going, duh. It doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy nice things now. It doesn't mean I wouldn't have a good savings plan. But it would mean I'd draw a line like I have that this is my standard of living and any and everything over above that, God, you keep bringing it in, I'll pass it on. 
I mean, my dream is to give more and more and more and more and more till the day I die. I got plenty. I've got more than I ever dreamed I'd have. But it, it requires faith. The number one reason people aren't generous, other than greed and selfishness, we just sort of, is fear. At the end of the day, what is it? I would be generous with my time, but I only have so much, and if I give this away, I'd be generous with my talent, but I can't volunteer for that because i got to take care. I'd be generous with my money, but I'm afraid I won't. God says, wait a second. I have unlimited supply. The reason Jesus talked about money, the reason the Bible teaches about this, it just is the easiest way to see it. When I've given money and God blesses, given and God blesses, I get to see in reality, this is real, but it requires faith. Chip will be right back with his application for this message, Why It's Genius to Be Generous, from his series, The Genius of Generosity. In this insightful teaching, Chip helps us understand that being generous is more than making thoughtful financial decisions. It's following a completely different lifestyle. And if we do that, we'll dramatically improve our relationships with God and others. Stay with us as we learn some simple practices to be both wise in our giving and generous in how we live our lives. To get more plugged in with this series and our resources, visit livingontheedge.org. That's livingontheedge.org. Well, Chip's joined me in studio now. And Chip, you know, we hear a lot from people all the time who are deeply impacted by the Bible teaching of this ministry. Whether they listen on our app, the, the radio, podcasts, or Sirius XM, Living on the Edge is touching lives. So take a minute, if you would, and share what really drives you in this ministry. Dave, I love to teach God's Word, and I love to bring some other uh, young, dynamic teachers to teach God's Word, but at the heart of Living on the Edge is discipleship. You know, I was discipled by a bricklayer who met with me personally, taught me to study the Bible, put it into practice, share my faith, and actually learn the great doctrines of the church. What we see has happened in America and around the world is we've been able to get people excited about Jesus and come to Christ as the Savior, but we haven't seen people walk in his lordship, and it's simply because many don't know how. And so Living on the Edge is committed to deepening their relationship with Jesus and eliminating the discipleship deficit here in America and around the world. Because a mature, godly, loving Christian is dynamic. They're, they're like a fragrant aroma that the sweet smell of the life of God that Jesus brings and is available to whosoever would believe, that's God's heart and that's our heart. All of our resources, our small groups, our training, it's really geared around helping people mature. And that requires a significant amount of money. And right now in December, right up to the 31st, there's never been a better time to give to Living on the Edge. Every dollar you give will be matched dollar for dollar. Would you go to livingontheedge.org, our website, right now, and give whatever God shows you to give. And we will use your gift to make a difference to help Christians really live like Christians. Well, as you can hear, our heart is to disciple and teach Christians what it means to authentically walk with God. So if you believe in that mission too, let me encourage you to partner with us financially by going to livingontheedge.org or by calling 888 888- 
333-6003. And now's a perfect time because every gift we receive until midnight on December 31st will be matched dollar for dollar. That number again is 888-333-6003 or go to livingontheedge.org. App listeners tap donate. Well, Chip, the way you described generosity today it sounded so easy, but you know, for some it's actually quite difficult. So would you take a minute and speak to those who struggle to be intentionally generous? What's the secret? It really is uh, simple, but it's not easy. It's simple if you really see who God is. J.I. Packard in his book, Knowing God, gives us a definition of generosity. Generosity means a disposition to give to others in a way that has no mercenary motive and is not limited by what the recipients deserve, but constantly goes beyond it. In other words, God never gives in order to get. His giving isn't manipulative. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust, showers of blessings. And I love this line, generosity expresses the simple wish that others might have what they need to be happy. In fact, as you listen today, I really talked about how this process occurs. Listen very carefully about how you can take a specific step toward generosity in the areas where you need it. Okay, number one, we talked about this. Ask yourself, where's your heart right now? I mean, where's your heart? Second is, where do you want your heart more connected? Do you want it more connected with one of your kids? Do you want it more connected to Jesus? Do you want it more connected to maybe someone that's not really been as kind to you and you realize there's a distance, but you've got some resentment? Here's what I'm telling you. Wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow. The good buddy, I mean, good friend of mine, and I saw this metamorphosis happen in his life, but it was a journey, it was a process. Dave's story is a guy who started little by little to put treasure toward the things where he knew he wanted his heart. He started to put it in his relationship with God. He started to put it in the lives of other people. It started with his money, and then I saw it with his time, and then pretty soon he finds himself in the Philippines taking his vacation, his money, and when he came back, we played in my driveway. I'll still remember uh, basketball. Every Sunday afternoon, Dave and I played, and he came back from the Philippines after this process had been developed. And he, with tears literally in his eyes, just told me, you know, I think about where I was, Chip a couple years ago, and I just shake my head. One is, I, 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 there's times where I write out a check that's the first portion of all that I have when I used to put, you know, like $5 or 20 bucks in the plate and kind of pat myself on the back, and I now give a percentage. One, I can't believe I do that. He said, but more, I can't believe I love doing it. And then I thought that was the big deal. And then I started serving, you know, with you know, the junior hires and helping out there. But man, when I went to the Philippines and God let me use my passion and my life and I began to give my life away, not just my money, not just my time, he just said, this, this is a whole new life. I, I, I just, I never dreamed an ordinary, regular person like me could experience such overwhelming joy. And you know, that's, that's what God wants for you. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Where do you want your heart connected? You want to be closer to God? Put your money and your time and some energy and give it with, with no games, no formulas. Not, well, I gave you so much, God. How come you didn't give me so much back? Or I gave this time. You give it. You just give it and say, I want to be generous. I want to be like God. I want the happiness of other people with no expectation of return. You do that and you start directing 
your energy and your money where you want your heart to be and send me an email and tell me what God does because I'll tell you what, He will show up. Well, if you'd like to share with us how God has used you to be generous, email us at chip at livingontheedge.org. That's chip at livingontheedge.org. We look forward to hearing from you. As we close, I want to quickly remind you about our end-of-year match that's going on right now. If you're benefiting from the ministry of Living on the Edge but aren't yet on the team, there's never been a better time. Because between now and December 31st, every gift we receive will be matched dollar for dollar. If today is your day to partner with us, go to livingontheedge.org or call us at 888-333-6003. That's 888-333-6003 or visit livingontheedge.org. App listeners, tap donate. You've been listening to a selected program that we wanted to share from this past week. To hear more of Chip's new series, The Genius of Generosity, go to livingontheedge.org or the Chip Ingram app. Until next time, I'm Dave Drewy saying thanks for listening to this weekend edition of Living on the Edge. Living on the Edge.